Hello, and welcome to Day 3 Live, the live broadcast of Sunday morning service at Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. You can learn more about our ministry at day3church.org or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash d3church. We're glad you chose to listen. Today is part four of our series called Righteousness. That word isn't heard very often anymore. What does it mean and how should that impact us? We will explore that in today's message, Righteousness Practiced. We believe that God is waiting to speak to you today. So sit back and join us for the next few minutes. It's Day 3 Live, and it starts right now. You can thank John Marler for that. He sent that to me during the week, and I thought we'd use that for the uh, transition video. And uh, uh, before we leave the thought of that video a lot, uh, what would the good meter say about you? Had you... Being in that line and you had to come up and stand to see if you'd been good enough. Well, I, I can tell you what it would say, and I'm not trying to be judgmental toward you, but it would say not good enough. Because <laughs> it would say that about me or Billy Graham or anybody. None of us are good enough. And I love the part to where he didn't even let that man stand on the scale. Because <laughs> it was based on Jesus and his righteousness. That's really the point of this series that we've been uh, looking at, <clears throat> that you and I cannot be good enough. We cannot be righteous of our own accord, and it takes his righteousness. And I love the part in that where that file got thrown over on the heap. Amen? Uh, because Jesus took care of that for us. Um, so I'm, I'm thankful for grace, and I'm thankful for Jesus. Um, in this series, just to let you know where we've been, because we're finishing it up today, uh, we talked about the definition of righteousness, what it was, and I'll give you even a simpler definition today. Uh, righteousness is really just what God always says is righteous. What he always does is righteous. We did a, a message about uh, comparing righteousness, God's versus man's, and it uh, wasn't much of a comparison because God is inherently righteous. We don't have any righteousness of our own. Uh, and then last week, we talked about righteousness imputed. And what that means is this. When someone trusts Christ as their personal Savior, God gives his own righteousness to that person that trusts Christ as their Savior. And God sees not that person then, but he sees the righteousness of his own son. And that's what it, it means to have righteousness imputed. And while all that is good news to understand, we can't save ourselves, Jesus did it for us, there's still another aspect of righteousness that we need to talk about before we close out this series. And we're going to talk about righteousness practice, living out righteousness. I've got a real concern that in the church culture of our day, people focus so much on grace, and we should. Thank God for grace. I mean, no hope without it. No hope without the gospel. But the full gospel message is not the one that some people seem to portray. Some people seem to think the gospel is this. I, I admit I'm a sinner. I trust Christ my Savior. I checked that off. I know I'm going to heaven. Now I can live however I want to live. And that's not the full gospel. That's not what the New Testament teaches. And that's why we need to talk about 
practicing or living out righteousness. I said a moment ago, thank God for grace. But grace is not a spiritual entitlement to do whatever you want. <laughs> it doesn't give you the, 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 the right to just go on living the way you used to. And our send off first today is this. Our send off first is First Peter 2, 24. And you've already seen this verse a couple times in this series, but we need to read it to set the focus of what we're talking about today. And here's what the Bible says. He himself, talking about Jesus, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. So that's what Jesus did for us. He, he took our sins upon his, his body, upon himself, carried him to the cross, paid fully for our sins. But notice the last part of it, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. It doesn't say that Jesus bore our sins on the cross so we can keep on living the way we lived. <laughs> so we can just keep on staying the same old life that we had. Instead, it says so we can die to sin and so that we can live to Righteousness, because of what Jesus did for us, being in his body, our punishment on the cross. God wants us to die to our life of sin, our whole life, and live now for his righteousness. This topic, this, uh, I shouldn't even call it a topic, this biblical truth about living righteousness, I think is really, really important for the day we're, we're living in. Uh, I, I don't see uh, a lot of people really concerned about righteousness or living out righteousness. I, I don't see people with that uh, much of a concern. We're, we're living in a, in a time when, when people fail to focus on it. And, and I think it's an important thing for our day, the day we're living in. And, and it's important for the church, for people that say they know Christ is their Savior, for us to understand that, that we, after we receive Christ as our Savior, we need to be living out righteousness in our lives. Uh, I had planned on, after this Sunday, starting a message series entitled, um, entitled Life Out of Death. And that will come in two or three weeks. But as I was studying for this message, this past Monday, God completely kind of shook me up a lot and, and told me I need to do another short series on the tail of this one. And, and we're going to do a series that's going to spend some time in 1 John, predominantly 1 John 3. And the title is going to be this, and we'll start it next week. The title is going to be The Pretenders. Now, I, I'm not going to tell you a lot about that except to tell you maybe between now and then, evaluate your life honestly and, and ask God to reveal to you, am I authentic? Do I really know Christ as my Savior, or am I just going through the motions? Am I just a pretender? Now, that being said, let's talk about righteousness practice or living out righteousness. I want you to see four main things today we're going to talk about. Here's number one. Practice and righteousness should be a character trait for Christians. In other words, it ought to be who we are. It ought to be who we're about. We ought to have a, a, a character trait uh, in our lives. And uh, I'm moving over a little bit, guys, because I, I, I saw Tim's behind the pole back there, and I thought I'd move over a little bit where I could see him, he could see me. And I name moved over again. Uh, yep. <laughs> but, uh, but it ought to be a character trait of our lives. And here's why I say that. You see, through faith in Christ, the Bible teaches this. We become the children of God. 
And, and here's what John 1 says in verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. So through faith in Jesus, we become the, the children of God. My, my argument is this. Shouldn't we look a little bit like our father? Shouldn't we have some character traits that are similar to our heavenly father? I mean, all of us in our physical families, there are some, some character traits that, that we have. Some of them are good, maybe some of them are bad. But we have character traits based upon who our family is. That, that's true in, in, in my family and, and true in your family. Whether you realize it or not, uh, your children have picked up on some of your, your character traits. And, and, and guys, as God being our, our father, the Bible, see, the Bible teaches this. The Bible says through faith in Christ, we're born again into the family of God. Because of our faith in Christ, Romans 8 tells us, we can call God our daddy. Now, your translation may not make it sound like that, but Abba Father is really a term of endearment. And it's like you're saying daddy concerning God. Romans 8 also says this, that, that, that we become joint heirs with Jesus Christ. He's our brother. So, so guys, if, if God the Father is our Father, Jesus is our brother, and the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of us, I'm, I'm just saying, shouldn't we look a little bit like our Father? Shouldn't, shouldn't we practice righteousness in, in our lives? And when we talk about looking like our Father, here's what the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 1, 14 through 20. It lets us know that God is holy, and because God is holy, just maybe we ought to be holy in our conduct. We ought to be set apart. We ought to be different in our conduct. The Bible says this, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance or you used to live. But as he who called you is holy, talking about God, you also be holy in all your conduct. He said all. Since it is written, you should be holy for I am holy. For if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited by your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb, without spot or without blemish or spot. Now, look at how he started out that section. He said, as obedient children. Now guys, I'm sorry. I know I'm meddling a little bit, but I, can, can I tell you something up front? On these, on these Sundays that I meddle with you a little bit, do you know what God did with me before I got here? <laughs> he meddled with me. So, so here I'm wrestling. With, can, can I say I'm an obedient child? And I want to ask you that this morning. Can you say that, that you are obedient children? Does that really describe you? Does that describe the church and the culture that we live in today? Do we look like obedient children? And you see, we should because God our Father expects us to be obedient children. Instead of conforming to the world, our former passions, instead of living like we used to be, we're to be holy. And that word can simply be translated like this. We're to be different. We're to be set apart in our conduct. We're to act like our Father. Our Father is set apart. He different than anything anyone else and we're to be different because he is if we're going to exhibit a family trait by being like our father and, and when we understand he said that our father judges each person's deeds so because of that 
We ought to conduct, conduct ourselves with fear. Now, now, honestly, answer this question. Do you see a lot of fear of God in our culture? Do, do, you, do you see people that seem to be shook up that there's a God or concerned what he thinks or concerned, you know, what they do before him? I don't see a lot of fear of God in our culture. And guys, by fear, I don't mean you're supposed to be scared to death of God like he's in, in heaven with a lightning bolt waiting to get you. That, that word also means this. We ought to stand in awe of God. We, we ought to respect him. We ought to be like that in, in the direction of God. And, and why, you might ask, well, why in the world should I, I be like that? Well, look at the end of that passage of Scripture I read. Because you were redeemed, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like a lamb without blemish or without spot. That's why we ought to live different lives. That's why we ought to practice righteousness, because Jesus shed his Get this, be sure you get this in your heart and in your mind. He shed his precious blood for us. And that ought to mean enough for us that we are willing to, to try and live out righteousness, not just say, oh, well, I'm righteous now. Now I can live however I want to. Second thing I want you to see is, is this this morning. Practicing righteousness means that Christians should, should pursue righteousness. Practicing righteousness means that we should pursue righteousness. 1 Timothy 6, 11, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. So there's some things that we ought to flee. I'm not really going to talk about those. You can turn to 1 Timothy 6 and read about some of those things. He says, flee these things. But then he says, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. So as, as Christians, there are things we're to run from, or there's things that we're to, you know, say, no, I'm, I'm not supposed to run to that. I'm not supposed to be involved in that. I'm supposed to run from that. I'm supposed to flee these things. But we're also to pursue righteousness. There's something for us to run after. We're to chase after righteousness, and that's doing what's right from God's perspective. We're, we're to desire, uh, God, God desires us to chase after godliness because he's godly. We just talked about that a moment ago. We, we, we need to chase after faith. God wants us to practice our, our faith. Our faith be so important to us. It, it affects the decisions we make in our lives. He wants us to chase after love. Jesus demonstrated the love of God in his life and ministry, and we need to be more like Jesus. We need to be more steadfast and more gentle. We need, we need to pursue righteousness. We're to pursue God in the path that he leads us. Might be a way to think about righteousness. Now, I, I know I've read this already in one message in this series, but in Psalm 23, verse 3, it says this, he restores my soul. In other words, he saves me. And he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. God saves us. He restores our souls. Then, then he wants to lead us in right paths. He wants to lead us in his path of righteousness. God, Psalm 23 it gives us a picture of a loving shepherd. That's what God is. He wants to be a loving shepherd. And whether you're aware of it or not, let me give this to you in case you're not. Let me give you a big news flash. God has your best interest at heart. 
God didn't stack the deck against you. God's not, he, he has your best interest at heart. He always has, and he always will. That's what a shepherd would do. A shepherd would leave the sheep to safe places to drink, to safe places to eat, places that they could be fulfilled. God has your best interest at heart, and, and that's why we ought to follow him as he leads us in paths of righteousness. He's not leading you to a bad place. He's leading you in the place he wants you to be with your best interest at, at heart. Proverbs 12, 28 kind of gives some insight to that. It says this, in the path of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there's no death. That's why God wants to lead you down his right path, because that's where life is. We're to seek his righteousness and his rule over our lives. Here's the way Jesus put it. We're to do this first. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. If you're going to pursue something, that means you, you intentionally are doing something to seek after it. If, if you were to, to, to say, I'm going to lose 50 pounds in the next six months and you don't change one thing and you just stay sitting on the couch with a remote eating Twinkies. What's going to happen? Are you going to lose 50 pounds in the next six months? You're probably going to gain 50 pounds in 60 months, in six months. So all all the point is I'm trying to make you is this. You, you, You have to intentionally, intentionally on purpose, seek after righteousness and his rule of our lives first. So, so seeking after his kingdom, look at how he put it, but seek first the kingdom of God. I'm afraid we, we put that in some kind of intangible, lofty type terms when we think about, all right, I, I need to seek after the, the kingdom of God that's out there somewhere sometime. Well, Jesus said seek it first. That means it's available right now. And when you think about the kingdom of God, if you have a kingdom, you have a what? You have a king who's on his throne. You have a rule. You have an authority. So so Jesus is saying, first, we need to seek his rule, his kingdom, his authority over our lives. And, And when we do so, when we're seeking that in his righteousness, he said, all these things will be added to you. Hey, all the stuff that we're chasing after all the time, all the stuff the world has convinced you and I that we really need to chase after, that we really, really need, and that'll really make us happy. Jesus said, don't chase after that. He said, seek the kingdom of God first in his righteousness, all that other stuff will be added in. Don't worry about that all the time. Don't live your life chasing those things all the time. When when we're hungry and thirsty, we pursue that which will satisfy us. We're talking about practicing righteousness means we have to pursue righteousness. When we're hungry and thirsty, we pursue that which will satisfy us. Jesus also said this in Matthew 5 verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Jesus said, here, if you want to be blessed, here's what you need to do. <laughs> you need to hunger, and you need to thirst for righteousness. That's where you find true satisfaction. If you're hungry for food, what do you do? You go find some. 
Some of you right now are probably already thinking, hey, it's Sunday, I've got one of my favorite restaurants in mind, and as soon as a pastor shuts his mouth and we sing the last song, I- I'm going to get to that restaurant as soon as I can to, to enjoy that food that's there. And, and some of you, that's what you have in, in mind already. You're thinking, I, I, I know where I'm going to go. If you weren't thinking about it, I've got you thinking about it now. So, so when, you're, when, you, when you get hungry, you, you, you seek after something to take care of the hunger, some food to eat. When, when you're thirsty, you, you do what? You, you seek for something to quench your thirst. And Jesus said the only way, the, the point he's making is this, the only way you can really have a, a truly, fully blessed life is to hunger and thirst for the right thing. <laughs> if you hunger for the wrong thing, you thirst for the wrong thing, and you pursue those things, you're not going to be blessed. Instead, you're going to be guilty because of the things that you're experiencing. Oh, you might be temporarily fulfilled until the guilt hits, until that temporary fix of whatever it is, the feeling is gone. The only way to fully be blessed is to pursue, to pursue righteousness, to hunger and thirst for that. And Jesus said, you will be satisfied. So, so can I ask you a question? Once again, I'm meddling today, okay? God meddled with me. What are you pursuing in your life? I mean, honestly, what are you, what are you chasing after? Are, are you hungry for God's righteousness? Are you thirsty for God's righteousness? Or are you pursuing what the world is trying to convince you will satisfy you? And you may be asking yourself, well, how do I pursue righteousness? Well, let's go back to 1 Timothy 6 that I read at the first of this point. And it says this, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things. And then he says, pursue righteousness Maybe what he says in the rest of verse gives us a pretty good hint about how we can pursue righteousness. He says, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Maybe uh, it would look more like righteousness in our lives if we pursue godliness, the things that God would have us to be involved with, the things that are, are like the character traits of God, if we would pursue that. If we would pursue our faith, if our faith would be a determining factor, an important factor in our lives. Yeah, guys, the way, you, the way you live your life, the choices you make shouldn't be based upon Hollywood or what somebody else tells you. It ought to be based upon your faith. And maybe that's what righteousness looks like to, to allow your, your faith to be what's molding you. We ought to practice love more. Jesus walked around showing what flesh and blood love looked like, the love of God looked like, and you and I need to practice that more. He commanded us to love each other. Maybe it would look more like righteousness if we'd be more steadfast. And he used the word gentleness there. You see much gentleness in our world today? When you, when you watch the evening news and, and you see some stuff about the protest, do you see much gentleness going on? All I see is people hating each other. I mean, they can't even get to the point they can have a, 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 a discussion about it. All it is is just hatred instead of practicing gentleness. And, and here we're told we, we ought to... Be practicing gentleness in our life, pursuing righteousness in, in that way. 
See, being made righteous through faith in Christ. Guys, this is just my argument today. I'm thinking because of what Jesus did for us, that ought to give us the desire to follow him and pursue righteousness. Don't you think just a little bit that ought to be true because of what Jesus did? You ought to have the desire. I ought to have the desire to pursue righteousness, to live righteously, to, to practice righteousness. Third thing I want you to see today is this. Practicing righteousness is something Christians should do no matter the result. No matter the result. Here's what I mean by that. You just do what God says is right. It doesn't matter what somebody else might think about it. It doesn't matter the cost you might have to pay. You just do what's right. Here's why I say that. Look at Matthew 5, verse 10 through 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted. And this is Jesus talking again. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, now, let me ask you something. Does that, those verses, the things that Jesus said there, does that remotely sound like you only do right when you're around other people that want to do right? You, you only practice righteousness when you're around church people. You, you only practice righteousness on Sunday morning. You only do it when you're in an environment where it's a safe thing to do. Is that what Jesus said? And instead, it appears to me he's saying it doesn't matter what environment you're in, who you're around, or anything else, you just still practice righteousness. You stand for what is right. You stand for him. It doesn't matter what anyone says, what anyone does, what they threaten you with. You stand for him no matter what. There's a lot of peer pressure in our world. Peer pressure for adults. A lot of peer pressure for kids, especially teenagers, school starting back. Can I suggest something that would make it simple, the parameters of your life? You, you won't think right now it'll make it simple, but, but I promise you it makes it simple. But here, set these parameters. You're going to do what God wants you to do no matter what anyone else says. And that way you don't have to factor in what this person thinks, what that person thinks, what this teacher thinks, what this person thinks on that hallway, what this person thinks out in the lunchroom about you. Just, just worry about what God thinks. Because we ought to practice righteousness no matter where it takes us, no matter what it gets us. Jesus said this, rejoice and be glad even if we're persecuted for righteousness sake because our reward's great in heaven. Why in the world would we be concerned about our reward here anyway? Have you not figured out yet all this is wrapping up and all this is going away? The, the, the things that, that, that you might want to earn in this world, the approval of other people or whatever, will not matter one hill of beans in eternity. But standing for Jesus, being persecuted for righteousness' sake, you're going to have a reward in heaven that lasts forever. But, but preacher, but if, I, if, I, if I start standing for what's right, they'll make fun of me. 
Jesus died for you and suffered for you. And you're worried about somebody making fun of you? But, but if, I, if I go to work and I really start standing for what's right, or in school, or wherever it is, if I really start standing for what's right, out of the marketplace, if I really want to stand for what's right, people might, might, they might talk about me, make fun of me. They, they may even persecute me and attack me in some way. Great is your reward in heaven. That's going to last forever and ever and ever. Because all I'm saying is we ought to practice what's right from God's perspective. No matter what doing so causes us to face. Because we ought to be doing it for the sake of Jesus. Remember last week we talked about the righteousness of Christ being imputed to us when we trust him by faith. God takes his unrighteousness and he puts it to our account. Think about it like this. If God gives us his righteousness and puts that to our account, maybe shouldn't we not live righteously for the account of Jesus? Because of what he did for us. Last thing. Practice and righteousness is supposed to be your life now as a Christian. Practice in righteousness is your life now as a Christian. Let me read some in Romans 6 to prove that, and we'll be done in just a moment. According to Romans 6, your old self and your old way of life is supposed to be considered dead. Look at what's written there, beginning in verse 6. I'm going to read verse 6 and 7, jump down to verse 11. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. It doesn't say that the body of sin might be propped up and continue in it, but be brought to nothing. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now down to verse 11. So you also must consider, some translations say reckon, you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. So he's saying this, if you're a Christian, quit saying, here I'm surrendering my body for sin. Here's my fingers, my toes, my eyes, my mind, everything else. Here's sin, just take my body and use it. Here's Satan, just take me and use it. You're, you're supposed to reckon yourself, consider yourself dead. I'll come back to that in a minute. Your new self, that's what your old self is supposed to be. Your new self and way of life is to practice righteousness, live out righteousness, be a slave even to righteousness. Keep reading in Romans 6 verse 13. But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you're not under the law but under grace. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of the teaching of which you were committed. That simply means the gospel. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of 
righteousness. He says, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. When you think of slave or slavery, what do you have in mind? Someone in bondage, right? Someone under control of somebody else. What Paul is saying is this. Before we trusted Christ as our Savior, guess what we were in bondage to? We were in bondage to sin. Now that we've trusted Christ as our Savior, we're not to be in bondage to sin anymore. We're to reckon ourselves, we're to have this mentality, we're to reckon ourselves dead to sin. Now, if you've been around here very long, you've heard me say this before, going through Romans 6, but guys, I've been to a lot of funerals over the years I've been in the ministry, to a lot of funeral homes. I have yet to see a corpse get out of a coffin and go sin. Have you? That's the image, the mentality we're to have. When, when we're tempted to do something we know is against the will of God, we're, we're to tell ourselves, no, I'm dead to that. I'm dead to sin. I died with Christ. I'm to count myself dead. Who I was is dead. But now <laughs> I'm supposed to live a different way. I'm supposed to present the members of my body to righteousness. I'm now a slave to righteousness, which means I'm to serve God. I'm to serve righteousness. In the past, we kind of did this, and all of us did. Don't anyone be like, like you know, your little goody two-shoes, including me. All of us, by what we did and our mindset and everything else, we presented ourselves to sin, to serve sin. What we're to do now when we trust Christ as our Savior, now we come over and we say, God, because of what you did for me. Because Jesus died on the cross for me. God, here I am. God, here's all of me. Here's my fingers, my toes, my mind, my eyes. God, here's all of me, my heart. God, God, here's my, here's all that I am. And God, I, I'm presenting this to you. I want you to use all of my members, all that I am. I want you to use it for your purposes, for your righteousness. I want to be a slave to righteousness. Instead of having the mentality that so many seem to have. Yeah, I, I'm a sinner, and yeah, Jesus died on the cross for me, and I'm going to heaven. I've checked that off. Now I can live however I want to live. Remember what our sin offer said, 1 Peter 2, 24. He himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. He died for us. So that we can die to sin, not keep on living in sin. Die to sin as much as we can. Be dying to sin. As the Holy Spirit empowers you, dying to sin. And as the Holy Spirit empowers you, live into righteousness. I think most people have gotten the idea that righteous living has to do more with behavior modification than heart transformation. You can't just modify your behavior. You have to let Jesus change your heart. <laughs> and when he transforms your heart, part of that transformation ought to be then, I'm going to live for him. I'm going to live for righteousness. Not in order to be saved. You're saved by trusting him. But on the other side of being saved, you ought to have the desire to live for him. I'll read one more passage of scripture and close. 
For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly. That word means seriously. We should live seriously, righteously, and godly in the present age. Right in the day we're living in, COVID-19 and all, crazy world and all. And you might look at that and say, but, but it was easier when Paul wrote that to Titus for them to live for righteousness then in the present day. Really? Some of them were being arrested, thrown in prison, and executed for the sake of the gospel. And that's happening to believers in some parts of our world today. And we sit here in relative comfortable environments. And we need to understand that we need to deny ungodliness and worldly lust and live soberly and righteously and godly in the present age. Right now, whatever you're facing, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. By the way, if anyone ever tells you the Bible doesn't say Jesus is God, right there it does. In many other places. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. So ask yourself this, has God brought you salvation through his grace? And if he has brought you salvation through his grace, ask yourself this, are you denying ungodliness are you rejecting ungodliness are you trying to live for jesus because he has brought you his salvation and grace are you trying to turn away from worldly lust are you trying to live a serious life for jesus to live righteously and godly even in this present age he brought up the issue are you longing for are you looking forward to his appearing longer I live in this world and the more I see the things in this world, the more I'm ready for him to come. The end of the Bible, even so come Lord Jesus. Amen. But if he were to come, how would he find you living your life? Would he find you living your life for him because you so love him because he died on the cross for you? Or would he find you living your life for the world? Did you notice in that passage of scripture said that he wants to purify for himself a special people? God wants us to be special people. His special people. That means we're different than the rest of the world. And he wants us to be zealous for doing good. Let's pray. Father, forgive us when we uh, allow our culture to mold us more than the fact that you died on the cross for us. Forgive us when we are frivolous sometimes about our faith. Knowing our future is secure, so we think we can just live in the moment however we want to. 
Father, I pray you'd speak to our hearts in this moment. I pray you'd challenge us, all of us that know Christ the Savior. Challenge us whether or not we are really practicing righteousness, not in order to be saved, but because we've been saved. Are we really living for Jesus because of what he's done for us? And if we don't like the answer to that, God, change us. And Father, if there's someone in this place that's never trusted Christ the Savior, we, we ask you to speak to that person's heart. Someone watching online that's never trusted Christ the Savior, Father, draw them to yourself. Father, if there's believers that are joining us online that couldn't join us live today, challenge them as to whether or not they're really living and practicing the righteousness you want them to because of what Christ has done for them. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Stand up. If God speaks to you, maybe you need to come and pray this morning and say, God, help me to to live more righteously. Help me to make more right decisions. Maybe you need to come trust Christ for the first time, but we invite you to come as God speaks to your heart. Are you in need of greater peace in your life? It is possible, and it starts with being at peace with God. Just pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I realize I need you and your forgiveness. I invite you to be the boss of my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I receive you as my Savior and Lord. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we'd love to talk to you. We're here to pray with you, to love you, and offer support. Please contact us at day3church.com. We care about you, and we want to connect with you. Until next time, this is Pastor John reminding you that God is greater than your circumstances, and His mercies are new every morning. It's time to experience a new day in your life.